As you guys know, there's a lot of online sportsbooks out there. MyBookie.ag is the only one that gets my stamp of approval, and you know I don't give that out lightly. To get my endorsement, I've got to personally use them, and that means they have to be the best. And MyBookie.ag is by far the best sportsbook I've used. Go to MyBookie.ag, enter in promo code WCE100 for a 100% deposit bonus. That basically means that they're going to double your first deposit, so immediately you're making money. Go knock that thing out. Go to MyBookie.ag, click sign up, and enter promo code WCE100. I'm Gary Seegers. Catch me on Twitter at GaryWCE. And I'm Chris Giannini. Follow me at ChrisBGiannini. And this is the Winning Cures Everything podcast from WinningCuresEverything.com. Before we get started, please subscribe to the podcast, share it, and review it. We cannot stress how important those reviews are for iTunes rankings, so help us out. Those of us who love this sport live for nights like this. You are looking live at the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. It's football. I've been watching it for 40 years. 40. 40 years. How about that? So here is fourth down. Can you believe it? It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts-Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Are you kidding me? Honey Badger don't care. This is Winning Cures Everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in. Winning Cures Everything, number 148. This is the October 19th, Thursday edition, which means it is time for Get That MF and Money. That's right. We're going to win you some money. You take your mortgage, right? (laughs) You take that and you take it to the bank. And you put it in your savings account. And you... You don't, you don't dick around with your mortgage. There you go. Now, if you want to have some fun, though, pop out $100. Come have fun with us. Go to mybookie.ag. That's right. Put in promo code WCE100. That $100 is going to turn into 200 right off the bat because I'll give you a 100% deposit bonus. And it doesn't have to so, be 100 bucks. It could be $10. It could be 15 or whatever you want. Whatever you feel comfortable with playing around with. But but don't be trying to pay your bills no, with these with picks you, right now because, picks. because we have not been hey now great now Chris however last week hey he went four and one in college and two and one in the NFL that's a that's six right. and two number right. and and if you laid down some money I did, you'd be I feeling did, all right I did well I, I went five and one in my NFL picks so overall I, we only yeah but we only give three on the podcast yeah, we give three on the podcast I do a super contest I did four and one sorry so all right all right hey, we should probably start. God, these podcasts would last forever if we did that. Can't keep doing everything. Whew. All right. I was going to say, maybe we just start tossing out all of our bets. But, God, there's some weeks that I've got like 12 games going. So I, like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I'll tweet them out sometimes. There you go. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, let's go on and jump into this, Chris. I'm going to let you go first. You've got a Thursday night college football game. Let's roll with the first one. I like our Memphis Tigers. I like Mike Norvell taking this hot Memphis team. I have no idea how they're playing defense. They have no bodies at all, but they just shut down one of the best offensive teams in the country in Navy. One of the most disciplined teams had them turning the ball over right and left. It was a beautiful day. No rain, no craziness. Just just beat them. And, uh, and I, they're going to Houston. Major Applewhite does not scare me as a head coach. Um, the talent I don't think in Houston, he's very good, man. No, the talent at Houston doesn't scare me. 
And and I like the Memphis Tigers plus three is what we're getting them at right now. I like them to win the game outright. So anything with a plus sign on it, take the Tigers. I'm down with that. All right, I'm going to roll with my first game, first game on Friday night. Marshall minus two and a half at Middle Tennessee State. Marshall has been blowing teams out. And I, I know you're laughing at me because it's one of these small school things. But look, the number still pays the same. That's right. The number still pays. No, you're right. You're right. So, I got a couple smaller schools. Not quite Marshall. Not quite Marshall and MTSU. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, hell, last week I, I picked Charlotte plus uh, 17 I against Western Kentucky, and I, I lost that one. But, uh, but yeah, Marshall minus two and a half at MTSU. Marshall has a great offensive football team. MTSU has hit the skids here lately. Um, it, for whatever reason, like I know they've they've lost their quarterback. Uh, Brent Stock still, he is fantastic, but he is out right now. I know the game is at MTSU on a weeknight, but Marshall is a, a great football team. Their offense is rolling. Take Marshall minus two and a half. If you can get them under field goal all day long. Thunder and Herd, let's do this. I'm taking a road favorite. Usually don't like doing that, but uh, I'm going to do it a couple of times this week. I like MSU, sorry, SMU. That's a dis, that's a dyslexia kicking in. The uh, the SMU to go in to Cincinnati minus eight and get that win and cover the points. And Cincinnati's pretty putrid right and, now. And Chad uh, Morris, yeah, his name. My brain just went went to crap after I messed that one up. Um, great coach has SMU rolling folks yeah. right now and they're putting up a ton of numbers on offense a lot of, lot of points a lot of big points on offense in Cincinnati everybody they've played look at the last four or five weeks it doesn't matter keep going back as far as you want to go they're giving up points to everybody Marshall that team I was talking about just a minute ago okay they went into Cincinnati yeah. and beat them yeah. what 38 to 23 or yeah, whatever it was like that, yeah. yeah everybody's scoring on Cincinnati right now so uh, I'm riding the hot hand. I'm riding the ponies. Second game for me, Tulsa minus six at UConn. Look, I know that UConn has got a better offense this year than they've had in a while. Tulsa has figured things out. It took a little while. They were 0-5 to start the season. They won the last two weeks. They're, they're looking a lot better. They blew out Houston last week, 45-17. to Their offense is absolutely clicking. I've got them at less than a touchdown. Tulsa minus six at UConn. I don't care that it's at UConn. I just saw Memphis put up 70 at UConn. I just watched it two weeks ago. Tulsa going to do the same thing. All Maybe right. not 70. All right. They might hit 60, though. There you go. That, that, you don't need 70. You just need to beat by seven. Now you got that right. All, All right. right. So I'm riding. I'm riding the hot hand. I'm riding great coaches. I'm going with Central Florida at Navy. Another road favorite. Minus seven and a half. Scott Frost. Listen. Now, you you got this line late. It I opened it at six, six and a half, and, a half, and I took right. it immediately. Yeah, if you if you so want to get that's it one now, of my bets too. right now, as we're doing this podcast late Tuesday night, um, I uh, it I got it at seven and a half. Uh, it, it's even gone to eight in some places. I think I'd feel comfortable with eight. I don't know that. Yeah, man, I let it. It's going to get big, and I might be wrong on this, but Navy looked bad against Memphis. But this is not about Navy. This is about Scott Frost and Central Florida and that offense and that team. Yeah. They are playing good defense, holding people low scores, and they are putting up monster numbers. They're scoring 40, 50 against everyone. I don't know that Navy can slow them down. I don't, I don't know think anybody they can. can. I am picking coaches that I love right now. Scott Frost is one of them. I'm riding Central Florida. 
I like that. I like that. That was one of my picks as well. I got him at six and a half. I'd roll with seven and a half, eight. Doesn't matter to me. Yep. Doesn't matter to me. Uh, next game for me, and I'm going to talk about this with uh, with Josh Parcell here in a little bit, but, man, the line looks a little fishy. West Virginia minus nine at Baylor. Baylor's a bad football team. Now, they have played some close games with some teams. I, I love West Virginia's offense here. I think they're going to put up monster numbers. Like, it's a classic letdown spot, right? Classic letdown because West Virginia has played Texas Tech and TCU the last two weeks. They played Virginia Tech close to open the season. They, uh, they've they lost against the two best teams that they've played by seven. 31-24 in both games. Both of those teams, really good football teams. Baylor is not that. I If I'm getting West Virginia under 10 points... I got to roll with that. So I'm taking the Mountaineers minus nine at Baylor. Who you got for your fourth game? Picking on my boy Matt Rule. That's probably the right move. Like you got to, you got to do what you got to do right now. I know you got to. Next year, I think it's going to be a different story. All right. Now I'm taking a home team, a team that looked really bad last week. One of the worst played teams of all last week. But we're going back to Wazoo, and I'm riding Mike Leach. Baby, coming off of a game where they went to Cal and they only scored three points. They had seven turnovers. Five interceptions, two fumbles. I think this offense is going to explode all over Colorado. Colorado has not looked good. Mike Leach is going to have those boys pissed off. One of two things is going to happen, and we're going to know how to play Washington State after this game really quickly. If Washington State continues to fold up two weeks in a row, they read all the hype. They made it to the top ten. They believed it all, and then they folded like a cheap suit, and they're done for the year. Yep. Bet against them all day long. But I think Leach is going to have his boys fired up. I think he thought they thought they were better than they were supposed to be, and he was going to let them take that ass whooping last week. They took it. Colorado has not shown me anything this year to be as impressive as they were last year. Now, early on, they they were, but I just I don't know about this. I don't know about. But right I don't now. know who they played. I don't know who. I don't. I know. mean, nobody really early. That's, I mean, that's they, look, Colorado State has been putting up points on everybody. That's right. And they held them to three points. But remember, there were three touchdowns that were scored that were called back due to penalties. Yeah. So I don't know that that's going to happen all the time. Mike Leach is laying ten. My Cougars are laying ten and a half. I'm taking it. I think they're going to blow them out. I I could see that. All right, my last game, and you may hate this pick. I think a lot of people might hate this pick. I got Kentucky plus ten and a half at Mississippi State. Look, Kentucky is five and one. And what I have noticed about this team is when they are playing a team that is comparable to them or better, they show up. They do all the time. People want to write these guys off, but I, I saw them against South Carolina. I saw them against Florida. They they keep these games at least close. They may not win it. But 10.5 looks like it is too many points in Starkville on Saturday night. And, look, State is coming off some awful, awful games. They uh, they did beat up on BYU last week, but BYU gets beat up by everybody. No, they're not good. I, I'll tell you, I like that. You can't go into the SEC unless you're Alabama or Georgia right now and just be laying double digits to folks. No, not right now. Because nobody else is that good that separates themselves other than those two teams. So, no, I don't disapprove of that at all. Last pick for me for college. All right. I'm going with another coach I love, my boy P.J. Flat. 
No, not PJ Fleck. That's in Minnesota. I didn't. <laughs> so I you're didn't, not taking I, Minnesota this I week. Almost to Minnesota. Right. Uh, um, Purdue minus nine. Purdue minus nine. Um, oh my gosh, Brom. Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to mean to offend him. <laughs> um, on the road, laying nine points, but they're laying nine points to to Rutgers. It's in Jersey, man. This this is not a road game. This is this is nothing. Brom is gonna go in there. And they're gonna put up a bunch of points. Well, look, I mean, Purdue Rutgers offense. did just beat Illinois last week. Don't forget, thirty-five, twenty-four. Come on now, <laughs> come on now. We're not gonna have this. We're not gonna have a legit conversation. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My bad. My bad. My bad. I know you're joking. Um, I like Purdue. I like this Purdue team a lot. I know Rutgers is bad, but it doesn't matter. I mean, I I've been betting Purdue a couple of times this year. They're one. I went to the well last week and I picked teams I liked to bet on and they came through for me I'm doing it again this week I don't blame you I mean you took Purdue last week you had them uh, what was it plus uh, 15 and a half against Wisconsin Wisconsin and, that's right and it was a 17 to 9 ball game so I'm, I'm with you on that yeah. alright so just to give you guys a heads up on uh, what our records are so far before this weekend I'm 17 16 and 2 in college and Chris is 17 14 and 3 uh, we've had a lot of pushes this year man a lot of pushes. couple pushes, and then uh, I've had a couple of games that got canceled. Yeah, well, one game that got canceled. Yeah. Yeah, one game. Um, all right, so the rundown on – well, no, we'll do the rundown after the NFL game. How's that? Uh, let me go on and jump into my first NFL game because I think we've got one game that's the same. Um, yes, we do. All right, first game for me, Cardinals at the Rams. I'm taking the Rams minus three and a half. The Cardinals look too damn good against the Bucks last week. It is time to come back to earth. They're going to L.A., no, it's not a whole lot of home field advantage here, but I really, really, really think that the Rams may be the best team in that division. Oh, no, I completely agree with that, and and I'm sure we don't have a very big fan base in L.A. right now, but if we do and you're listening, get off your butt and go to the damn game. Yes. Oh, no, never mind. I'm sorry. This game's played in London. Don't go to the Is game. Is this a London game? Yeah. Don't go to the game. That's way, way too far of a drive from Los well, look, Angeles. Look, look. You, you, can, you can catch a plane. But I don't know that that matters. About the point spread. I, I like the Rams. I'm buying all the Rams stock I can buy. I will tell you what scared me off of this game right here. Last week, three favorites covered. So far on the year, the dogs are plus 18. They're 18 games over 500 taking dogs. I think I'm just going to take my chances betting dogs from this point forward because the one favorite I bet last week was my only loss. I'm just when there's five or six games I like a lot. If one's a favorite and the other ones are dogs, until that trend stops, I'm taking dogs. So you know my first game, my first game I'm taking the Bears plus three at home, catching three against the Panthers. Panthers are kind of reeling. Panthers are trying to figure out who they are. Coming off a couple of losses, had a couple big wins. Went in New England, won a ball game, looked good. You know, got beat at home against uh. Against the Eagles, maybe the Eagles are really good. A couple weeks before that, they got beat at home against the Saints. I mean, I don't know how good this Panthers team is. Well, and, and on top of that, I mean, they were up, uh, what, 27-10 to 10 on on Detroit? Yeah. And then Detroit comes back and, and gets it 27-24. Now the Panthers won the game. They won the game, but they didn't cover the game. No. Oh, they did because they were a favorite in that game. They were a dog in that game. Were they? They did cover. Yeah. They, right. Either, they way, either way, either way. They were up big, they gave and, up, they and they gave up the points late. The Bears – are tough as nails to beat right now. Nobody's blowing them out, especially at home. That's right, and 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 they are they are covering 
everything. I'm I'm taking them catching points. It's not a lot of points, three, but I'm riding with them. All right, my second game. It's the game that you and I both have for our second game. Yep. The Bengals plus five and a half at the Steelers. Now, there are several teams that I have seen this year that it is a week-in, week-out kind of thing. Correct. And the Bengals are not that kind of team, but the Steelers are. The Steelers get blasted at home by the Jaguars. And then the next week, they go to Kansas City and beat Kansas City, which is the or was the only undefeated team left in, in the NFL. Correct. The Bengals have won two straight. They have gotten their offense stuff figured out. Five and a half looks like a whole lot of points for a divisional game here. It's a divisional opponent. Um, and I, Not only am I taking the five and a half in this game for the Bengals, but we talked, I don't remember if this was on podcast or off podcast, uh, I, I saw uh, last Monday after the Steelers got beat, yeah. Bengals were on by, and I, I took the Bengals at plus 500 to win that division. I did damn sure ain't gonna be the Ravens, and it and it sure won't be my Browns. And I think if this Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde thing keeps going crazy for the Steelers, they can the Bengals. Blow. Yeah, the Bengals could sneak the, up on. Them. I I think I think this is the worst division in football. Damn, really? Well, I think that. I, what division would you think would be the worst right now? It's either this or the AFC East. Yeah, but the East has the Patriots, so... And the, and the Bills have been playing really good. You might be right. I think this is the worst division in football. Like, overall and division, and yeah, I think you're right. you can't blame the Browns. No, if because the, the Ravens and the Bengals... If the Steelers do what the Steelers are supposed to do, we're not having that conversation. But sometimes they don't. But they lose to the Bears and the Jaguars. Yeah. Oh, man, I... Yeah, I, I'd still think the Steelers could win this game, but I still think five and a half is a little too it's much. It's too much. All these games are too close. I'm taking those dogs. We agree on that one. What's your last one? My last game, Jaguars minus three at the Colts. Look, the Colts put up a valiant effort against the Titans. They uh, they gave up two late touchdowns in Nashville on Monday night. But, look, the Jags, they got beat last week by the Rams at home. And this is that whole... Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde kind of thing. That's right. Week in, week out. Every other week you bet on them, and every other week you bet against them. Yeah. That's and, the trend. And this is the week to bet on them. That's right, because they lost last week. That's Whenever they go on the road, for whatever reason. Well, I don't even know that that matters. I think it, I think there are going to be some home games that are going to blow people out. They just got to catch them. Yeah, on the back, right week. Back to back. So, But right now, they got beat by the Rams last week. They're going to come out swinging. Um, Leonard Fournette, it looks like he's going to be fine. Yeah. They, there was an injury question. Now, he's if gonna be if he goes down, yeah, no, they're gone. They're done. But no, if he goes down, they still got Chris Ivory. No, they're done. You think so? Chris Ivory cannot do what he has done. No, I, look, I do agree with Leonard that. Leonard Fournette is a special, special runner. I like that pick. This is the right week to pick on him. I did not go with them. I didn't pick that game at all because they're a favorite, and I'm staying away from favorites. <laughs> I've been snake bit too much, but I like the pick. All right, all right. My last pick, another home dog. The San Francisco 49ers are catching six points. Which got is the, funny because they're 0-6. Got the Cowboys coming to them, but they're 5-1 against the spread. The only game they didn't cover was week one. After that, they've played everybody to a field goal or better. There is no reason for them to be catching six against anybody. They're scaring the hell out of everyone. Now, the Cowboys, 
coming off a bye week. That has shown in history it does not matter. 50% of the teams coming off a bye week win, 50% of the teams coming off a bye week lose. So that doesn't affect it too much. Now, as we're doing this podcast, Ezekiel Elliott got a little good news. He is going to play in this game. I bet you can get that number even bigger by the time game time starts because I'm going to bet with the news of Zeke playing, it's going to jump up a couple of points. The Cowboys do not scare me. They have not looked great all season. I think they can still win this game, but I don't know. The 49ers have been really close, and at some point in time, they're going to peel the win off of one of these teams. I'm taking the Cowboy, uh, the, the, the 49ers plus six at home. Yeah, line still plus six. Uh, yeah, I can understand that. I, okay, I could go with that. All dogs, baby. All dogs. Until until the trend changes, all dogs. All right, let's give it the rundown then. College football, I've got Marshall minus two and a half on Friday night. I got Tulsa minus six at UConn. That's an 11 a.m. game. West Virginia minus nine at Baylor. UCF minus six and a half at Navy. And Kentucky plus ten and a half at Mississippi State. I've got all road teams. Who you got in college? I've got Memphis plus three at Houston. I've got SMU minus eight at Cincinnati. I got UCF Central Florida minus six and a half at Navy. I've got Wazoo Cougars minus ten and a half at home against Colorado. And I've got Purdue minus nine at right. Rutgers. In the NFL, I've got the Rams at home minus three and a half against the Cardinals. Uh, nope, that's not in at London. home. It's in, in London. London. Yeah. Uh, Rams will be the home team, I guess, in that. Whatever. That's right. It, it, boy, if there was ever going to be a team to be a, a London team for a home game, <laughs> that's, that's right. that would make sense because they'll probably draw more over there than well over here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bengals plus five and a half at the Steelers and the Jags minus three at the Colts. And I've got the Bears plus three at home against the Panthers. I've got the Bengals also plus five and a half at the Steelers. And I've got the 49ers plus six against the Cowboys at home. All right, let's go ahead and bring in our special guest. All right, right now we're going to bring in Josh Parcell from CFBCountry.com and the College Football Country Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh Parcell. Josh, let's go on to start off with this. This playoff race is really starting to get complicated after last week and we're only seven weeks in do we have any idea so far who is good enough to get into the playoff this year or is it just every weekend it's going to be volatile from this point on well i came out with my rankings for the week on monday and uh, to be honest with you i don't know that it matters outside of alabama i mean (laughs) uh, we're going to figure out a lot about the playoff in the next few weeks but my goodness i mean if Clemson can lose and, and, and some of these other great teams, Ohio State already has a loss. I mean, almost all the best teams in the country have already taken an L. Alabama's just dominated just about every week. So, I mean, the Crimson Tide are head and shoulders above the rest, and we'll see what shakes out. I mean, I think it's too early to, to start trying to make calls about who's in and who's going to be out of the playoff. The entire Big Ten East still has to play one another. The Pac-12, I know they had a bad week, but they can work themselves right back into this thing. It's, it's kind of funny. Like, last season – in 2016, the teams that made the playoff at, at the point entering week seven, which was entering last week at this point in time last year, were ranked one, two, three, and five. And three of them lost after that point and still got back and made the playoffs. So you can lose games and still make the playoff. That's kind of like the best-kept secret about this whole college football playoff thing is even when you have these crazy upsets like Syracuse over Clemson, 
doesn't really matter. Clemson still has the, they control their own destiny to the playoff. Auburn still controls its own destiny to the playoff with two losses. So we still have a lot of way to go before we're going to know uh, how this thing's going to shake itself out by season's end. Well, Josh, you're a big Vitek fan. Uh, since your home loss at Clemson, Virginia Tech got a good win against Boston College. Now you've got a strong finish to uh, the, the rest of the, the conference. You're going to get into a lot of conference play, North Carolina, Duke, um, Miami at Georgia Tech, Pitt, Virginia. What what are what are Vitek's chances of running through this schedule um, without a loss and maybe trying to get another chance at uh, Clemson? I, I don't know that they're going to be able to run the table. I mean, this is a good football team, but it's not a great one. And Justin Fuente has spoken really since he got to Blacksburg about margin for error, and it's a really good term when it applies to this team because they don't have a great margin for error. They don't have a lot of dominant playmakers. Cam Phillips is obviously the go-to guy on offense, but outside of him, they're still trying to figure out who they can get the ball to, who their weapons are. Sean Savoy starting to step up, but to be honest with you, I think this Virginia Tech team is good enough to win every game on its schedule, but I don't think they're good enough to be able to avoid a loss. I think Georgia Tech, Miami, even Duke in a couple weeks, those are some teams, it, it wouldn't shock me if Tech lost one, maybe even two games in that stretch. Uh, they have a shot to run the table, but everything kind of has to go right for this team because I just don't think that they're dominant enough quite yet, even against a pretty so-so schedule down the stretch to be able to run the table. I'd love to see it happen, but I wouldn't bet on it. How do you feel about Bronco Mendenhall at Virginia right now? Like well, I'm, I'm super surprised by that team. Yeah, in <laughs> – he, look, he did a great job at BYU for a long time, and he was in a great situation there with that program. And it, it didn't really seem like it was a great fit at Virginia, I mean, to be honest with you. But Virginia's got a great potential, has a great potential to be a great program. They, they're in a great recruiting state. It's a good academic school. It, it has a lot of advantages for it. And Bronco Mendenhall obviously took over a pretty brutal situation. Mike London did not leave the cupboard. Uh, very full at all in Charlottesville when Mendenhall got there. So I think it's going to take him some time. But, I mean, he's winning some games right now that we didn't expect him to win. The Boise State win is the one that really stands out. I mean, beating Duke and beating North Carolina, those are two average teams. Still nice for UVA, games we didn't think that they would win when the season started. But I like what Mendenhall is doing. The problem is going to be for him is can he recruit long-term? Because at BYU, you have a built-in recruiting advantage with the LDS community where – you're kind of getting the best of the best a lot of times from it within that community. At UVA, you don't have that advantage. And now he's going against Justin Fuente in Virginia Tech within his own state, which has a better program, a, a more natural recruiting staff that's going to be able to recruit that state. I wonder if UVA is going to be able to build up a talent base that's going to be able to keep up with Virginia Tech or the likes of Clemson and Miami and some of the other better teams in the ACC. All right, now you you had Wes Rucker from 247 Sports on with you a couple of weeks ago, and you guys mm-hmm. talked about the Butch Jones situation at Tennessee, and that was after a 41 to nothing loss at home to Georgia. Uh, John Adams from the Knoxville News Sentinel said Butch Jones' approval rating is lower right now than Derek Dooley's ever was, and which, I mean, that's just bananas. Uh, they have since lost to South Carolina at home, and that was coming off of a bye week. They've gone 10 straight quarters without a touchdown. Uh, there's rumors about the quarterback transferring. This whole situation is just toxic. If you're the AD at Tennessee, what are the pros and cons of firing Jones in the middle of the season? 
Well, if you don't really have a natural guy who can take over as the interim, I don't know that there's a really great advantage in letting him go. And it's kind of interesting now, the, the new rule where there's an earlier signing period for recruits to be able to sign in early December actually makes this really tricky. And to be honest with you, it, it hurts the players because I think you may see some programs, and I'm not sure that Tennessee is going to be the one, but you might see programs hold on to their coach until after that early signing period so that they can get some of those kids who are committed locked in. Uh, now, I think if a kid is committed to a school like Tennessee where you know a coaching change might be coming, I'd probably not sign on the dotted line until I knew who my coach was going to be. But exactly. I wonder if that's one of the reasons that's keeping Tennessee from letting him go because, I mean, my goodness, this is this is clearly spiraling out of control. It, it's funny. It's not as bad as Derek Dooley on paper. I mean, Dooley was 15-21 and 21 at Tennessee. Oh, yeah. Because at least still has a winning record. But, I mean, the team has clearly given up. I think that's the thing. I mean, the yeah, team there's locker room him. And, and you can see there's it on the, the field. No question. And that, that's when you know, I mean, you've, when you've lost the locker room, you've lost the boosters, it's really, really hard to win them back. And, and barring, I mean, an upset over Alabama, which we know ain't coming. I mean, Bush <laughs> Jones' job is, is – I mean, he's going to be gone. And Tennessee's got a lot of good options to, to choose from. It's a great school. And I think Tennessee has seen just a couple weeks ago, and I said this with Wes Rucker on my podcast, when you watch what George is doing in just its second year under Kirby, you're in year five under Bush Jones, and you're sitting here just toiling around as an eight- or nine-win team on a good year – it's not good enough at Tennessee, and I think the fans are obviously going to want something more, and I think you can go out and get a good coach. They got money. They got resources, facilities. I think that they can go out and get somebody better than Bush Jones. Are you terrified that they might make a run at, at Fuente? Well, I, I mean, yes. I'm always going to be terrified because he makes a lot of <laughs> Look, he, he came from Memphis. You all know this. I mean, he, coming from Memphis, oh, yeah. he's, he's a natural fit there. He's a natural fit there. I think I don't he's think more natural no in Blacksburg, honestly. I, I don't think he would take that yeah. job. I don't think he wants that level of pressure. You know, I think he he's one of these that I could see being a lifer at Virginia Tech. I don't see him getting into just the the battles and whatnot as far as PR goes in in a school like Tennessee. Well, and that, that's what's doomed a lot of these coaches. Look, a lot of these guys... They weren't chopped liver when they got to these SEC schools. Butch Jones, Mark Stoops, Derek Mason, I mean, Gus Malzahn, any of these guys, Kevin Sumlin. These were, I mean, great coaches when they got to these programs. And the SEC chews you up and spits you out. And if you're Justin Fuente or any mid, you know, coach at a pretty, I almost said mid-major, Virginia Tech's not a mid-major, <laughs> but a, a good program, why would you maybe take the short-term payday to a place like Tennessee, but know that you could get fired in four or five years if you don't win 10 games. At Virginia Tech, the bar is a little bit lower. The pressure is not as high. There's still pressure to win, but it's not what it is in the SEC. And, and every fan base every year wants to be Alabama, and there's only one Alabama. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I think Fuente or some of those other coaches, I think, it's gonna, there's a lot, enough coaches out there. Somebody's going to take the bait. But a guy like Fuente who's just getting it going at Blacksburg, He's not going to leave just yet. He, he's got a really good thing going. I, th I think that Virginia Tech's going to be – they're going to be in the mix for the playoff in about two seasons. So I think he sees the future there, and I don't think he's ready to give up as yet. I completely agree with you on that. I don't think he's going anywhere. All right, I'm going to ask you about maybe one of the most unpredictable people in all of college football. 
What do you, what do you think about Coach O at my LSU Tigers right now and what he's doing <laughs> with, you know, barely beating Syracuse, getting smashed by Mississippi State, losing to Troy on homecoming, but then pulling off a road win in the swamp and then beating Auburn? Yeah, so the Auburn one is the one that I think was clearly the most impressive. I mean, the Florida win the week before, I really didn't put a ton of stock in that because I think Florida is a hot pile of garbage. And <laughs> we, you, we agree if, with you. If, if you line up a couple cornerbacks against Florida, you're probably going to win. And Kentucky forgot that, and that's how they ended up losing that game. But, I mean, yeah, I, I didn't put a ton of stock in LSU's win over Florida. But, man, I mean, they showed something in that win against Auburn. I'm impressed. It's a young team. It's not built at this. I think people had too high expectations, myself included, for what LSU could do this season. I think that they need to do a lot of repairing on the offensive and defensive line and uh, give Coach O a couple years. I actually think that LSU has a very similar structure to their coaching staff and to their program as Clemson. If you think about the parallels between Dabo Swinney and Coach Orgeron, think about it. Neither one of them were coordinators before they took over. They both took over as interim head coaches. They both had their issues when they got started. Remember, Davos Swinney was on the hot seat a couple years into his tenure at Clemson. It did not get off to a smooth start. So there were some questions surrounding Dabo. Now, what Dabo did is Dabo hired a good staff. Orgeron already has a great staff. He has Dave Aranda to run the defense. He has Matt Canada on offense. He has two of the highest-paid, most successful coordinators in the country. So I think if you give a head coach who can recruit, who's great with the boosters, like Swinney and Ed Orgeron are, high-energy, passionate guys, they can kind of be the CEOs of the program, let the coaching staff kind of call the shots on game day. I think that model can work, and it's, it clearly has worked at Clemson. I, I said this after they lost to Troy. I said, be patient with Orgeron. It's not a good look. It's hard to defend him after that Troy loss. I get it, but let, let's, let's just wait and see what happens at LSU. Get a quarterback in there. Don't, don't forget, LSU hadn't had a quarterback in a decade. It, I mean, oh, maybe, so maybe longer than that. More, more than that, I assure <laughs> I mean, you, it's been longer than that. <laughs> it, 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 I mean, seriously, I mean, Jamarcus Russell was the last one. And Jamarcus was a good college quarterback. I mean, Matt Flynn obviously won a national title there, but even those guys weren't tremendous, and they just haven't had a QB. If LSU can get a QB in there, get a, get one of those guys like a Kyler Murray who ended up turning them away, who went to A&M, and now he's at Oklahoma. I mean, just somebody like that, a top-flight quarterback who can come in and be a game-changer. LSU could be – I mean, one of the three or four best programs in all college football. We know that. So I think they've got a good structure. And I would be patient with Orgeron. I mean, he's got a, just a ridiculous buyout, so I don't think he's going anywhere regardless. But I agree with I, that. I liked what I saw against Auburn. Let's see if they can build on that here in the coming weeks and try and put together a nice season. I, I, love, I, I love that. You've just made me feel better about my whole season. And <laughs> uh, if, if I had the dough, I would, I would fly you down to Baton Rouge and have you talk to a couple hundred people that have some money because I was really disappointed with the butts in the seats for the game, for the Auburn game. That place holds over a hundred thousand people and they barely had 60 and you got to show up and support this team. Absolutely. And I, I didn't think about the, uh, the Dabo Sweeney thing. I didn't um, either, man. And that it does is, make a whole lot of sense. There, there's a lot of parallels there. Well, I've always been critical, critical of him of how good would he be if, if Brett Venable wasn't there. And that's, but it was the same thing before that because before that he had Chad Morris with him, yeah. and Chad Morris kind of turned around that offense and they started scoring a ton of points. Um, who who was the quarterback? Taj Boyd, that yes. really kind of got things turned around. Yes. So, yeah. all right. Well, let's uh, let's hop off that. Let's go on and talk about our favorite uh, favorite subject.
Let's do gambling. All right, you're uh, you're thirty and fifteen against the spread in college football. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That is unbelievable. That is way better than what we're doing. Oh right yeah, yeah, now. yeah. I don't want to tell you my record we're, now. We're just a little bit over five hundred. Um, I had a good weekend this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Chris went four and one this week in uh, in college picks, so he's he was doing all right. Um, now you there are you considerably better than what we're doing right now, and we need some winners this week. I know it's early in the week. But you got us about three or four games to uh, keep an eye on this weekend. Yeah, I got some games that I like. Where do you want to start? We got uh, – it's up to you guys. I got Auburn-Arkansas. We can start there if you let's, want. Yeah, let's do that. Let's talk some SEC. What? Uh, all right, Auburn coming off of a uh, big loss. Arkansas, another big loss. It doesn't look like Austin Allen's going to be back at quarterback. Uh, Brett Bielema looks like he might be on the way out. If, Ar- or if Auburn doesn't get this turned around, so might Malzahn. Uh, who, who are you looking at on this? I like Auburn, and a lot of it has to do with the quarterback at Arkansas with Austin Allen being out. We saw them struggle on the offensive side last week, I mean, as everybody does against Alabama. But, look, there's a couple things at play here. One, Auburn, they clearly collapsed last week. They had no business losing that game. They jump out to a 20 to nothing lead. They shut it down. They thought they had won the game. So I look at that Auburn team, and I see a team that, talent-wise, one of the top probably six or seven teams in all college football. When they don't completely shut it down after a quarter and a half, they can really dominate some teams in the SEC. The thing that I think keeps them going, and I kind of touched on it very early in the podcast here, was Auburn still controls his destiny in the playoffs. I know they have two losses, but if they run the table, and it's asking a lot, I get it, but if they run the table and they beat Georgia and Alabama, and then probably Georgia again, they would absolutely hands down be in the playoff as a two-loss team. No question about it if they won the SEC. So I think Malzahn's probably reminding them of that right now, that despite the loss and how it feels going out of that game, they still control all of their goals for the rest of the season. They can win the SEC. They can win a national title. I think they bounce back in a big way. Then on the other side, you see this with a ton of teams, and I I wish I had the number for you guys because I know it's pretty astounding, but teams that play Alabama, they don't (laughs) do so hot the next week. Alabama has a way of kind of beating you up, wearing you down mentally, physically, and a team suffer that hangover a week later almost all the time. So I think Arkansas comes in as a wounded animal right now, and I think Auburn comes out with a chip on his shoulder trying to make a statement proving that put last week completely out of their out of their sight, out of mind. I think Auburn wins by 25. I'll be curious to see what the line is here, but I think they win by close to four touchdowns. Well, the line right now is 15 and a half. Yeah, we're seeing it uh, 15 yeah, and a half. Auburn. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I think I like your pick on that. Um, let's talk about one of the biggest games of the weekend. Let's uh, let's do Notre Dame and USC. Um, I yeah. believe Notre Dame's a four that. point favorite, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for this one, guys. I mean, I've kind of been banging the drum for Notre Dame all season long, and people are slowly starting to realize that they're actually pretty good. Um, it's kind of fascinating to me. I want to make this point about Notre Dame before I get into the pick. You know, we evaluate these teams. And you look at the AP poll, and you, you're very reactionary, right? You see what happens one week, and you bump a team up, or you move a team down when they win or lose. But if a game happened three or four weeks ago, we never go back and give a team more credit for winning a game if we find out the team they beat's pretty good. So Notre Dame lost by one to Georgia. And at the time, we were like, all right, well, Notre Dame, I think, dropped out of the top 25. It was, we thought Georgia was pretty good. We didn't know they were great. And then a few weeks later, Notre Dame goes into East Lansing and blows out Michigan State. Now, at the time, we didn't know Michigan State was any good. We thought they were, you know, an average team like they were a year ago, maybe even below average. 
Well, all of a sudden, Georgia's the top three team. Michigan State's in the top 20. But Notre Dame's not getting the credit now for blowing out a top 20 team on the road and losing by one to a team that has, I mean, just annihilated everyone else they've played. It just feels like we should be giving Notre Dame a little bit more love than we are. Um, I think everybody's still think got that 4-8 and eight record from last season in their head, right? I also think people uh, they, they still do. really, really hate Brian Kelly. <laughs> yeah. No, that you you guys hit on the exact two points why Notre Dame is not getting more attention right now. The record last season going four and eight, which is kind of ironic because Michigan State is all of a sudden in the top twenty. They went three and nine last year, so I don't really understand that. But your point is the media has turned on Brian Kelly. And he's, Brian he's Kelly just has to be able to get out of his own way. Yeah. But look, I don't care what he says in a press conference and how many reporters he unfairly just lays into after a game. They're playing good football. And they're blowing out everybody they've played outside of Georgia. They've beaten, like I said, the Michigan State win holds up very nicely right now. This USC game is going to be a big test for them. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. USC coming in with a little bit more injury concerns. It sounds like Brandon Wimbush is pretty good at quarterback for Notre Dame. Sounds like he's going to be good to go. At home, I'm taking Notre Dame, and I'm swallowing the points. I think they win by about a touchdown, maybe 10. Uh, But I do like Notre Dame in this game around 31, maybe 34-24. All right, now the other big game of the weekend, um, I don't know if this is one that, that you've picked or not, but uh, but Michigan at Penn State. Penn State is currently a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. How uh, how you feeling yeah. on the Nittany Lions? I, the, I thought the line was actually going to be more for this game, and I was prepared to hammer Michigan uh, because I do think the Wolverines keep this game within a touchdown. I, I have Penn State winning by six in this game. I got it around 27-21. Um, look, I got about one more week left on this Michigan bandwagon. I, I'm hanging on to the Wolverines. They're, they're obviously <laughs> struggling. Uh, I, I thought that they would bounce back last week against Indiana a little bit after that Michigan State loss, but obviously a little bit of a hangover there. Uh, look, John O'Corn's got to play better. John O'Corn has completed less than 50% of his passes. He's thrown three picks, no touchdowns as, as a starter in the last two weeks. Obviously not going to get it done. But what I think Michigan does in this game, look, Jim Harbaugh, I'm sick and tired of hearing people criticize him as a head coach. He is a fantastic head coach. He has done a great job. He is one half of a yard away from winning the Big Ten and playing in the college football playoff a year ago. So the fact that we're going to try and hinge his legacy at Michigan on just a couple of plays here and there is absolutely ludicrous. And he has been a great coach. I think that he's going to have Michigan ready to play in this game. I think the defense is going to be able to contain Saquon Barkley who quietly has not put up massive numbers in some games recently. He had oh, that yeah. big game against Iowa, but he's, he's been held under 100 yards a couple of times. Michigan has the best run defense in the entire country. Well, the I fact that, that Indiana, gonna... I mean, Indiana kept him, he had 20 rushes for like 56 yards. Now he had a huge mm-hmm. uh, uh, kick return for a touchdown, and he does, like he yeah. catches passes and, and all that. He finds ways to, to make plays. Sure. But, but just as a pure running back, he's had problems against some not – not outstanding football teams. No, and I think at halftime against Northwestern, he had negative one yard. I mean, it's, he, he, not, he has not lit the world on fire since that Iowa game. And I, I think Michigan contains him. And then on the flip side, I think Harbaugh chews the clock. I think he hands it off to his running back, Karen Higdon, 265 yards, three touchdowns the last two weeks, 200 yards alone uh, in that game last week against Indiana. So this is a slow throwback game, low scoring. I got Penn State 27-21. I do think the Nittany Lions just have too many weapons. They'll win, especially at home. Uh, But I think Michigan keeps it close. It would not shock me if Michigan pulled off the upset here. I don't think Penn State is as good as people are giving them credit for yet. 
Um, and, but I also think that Michigan just has so many problems on offense that I'll, I'll give Penn State the win, but I get Michigan the cover. All right, I'm going to throw a curveball your way. I, we'd only asked you for three games. I'm just curious what you think on this because the line looks kind of funny to me. Uh, West Virginia opened as a 10-point favorite at Baylor, and the line has dropped to nine points. What what am I hmm. missing here? Boy, I don't know. I mean, other than just a classic letdown spot, I mean, West Virginia has played a pretty tough schedule. I mean, they played Virginia Tech in that season opener, TCU and Texas Tech the last two weeks. Uh, those are two really good offenses back-to-back. And West Virginia, I thought, should have won that TCU game. They had a couple bad calls late, uh, as well as a muff punt on a complete fluke play that was the difference in that game. Uh, and then they had the, the emotional comeback against Texas Tech. But Baylor's bad. That's another line I would lean towards West Virginia. I hadn't dug into that game yet, but, I mean, obviously when a line is that crazy, sometimes it's better to stay away. Yeah. Now, in my head, would I, do I West Virginia should win by 20 points or more? Absolutely. But when a line starts creeping down, that's when Vegas probably knows something you don't. If a line looks too good to be true, it probably is. I try not to outsmart you know, the guys in Vegas. I try not to get too cute. I, I pick the games that – make the most sense to me, not the ones that scare me to death. So we'll see. I have to dig into some numbers. I may come up and find out, you know, West Virginia really is. Even in a, on a bad week, West Virginia should win. But you got to be careful of those letdown games. Don't forget, um, it was just a few weeks ago, West Virginia was neck and neck with Kansas through about three quarters before pulling away. So yes, they do they have were. it in them to, to, to lay a dud. Yeah, That's that, was, a, that was awful. You know, since you brought up Kansas, I'll bring up one more. I'll bring up that Kansas TCU game. Because that, that hold on that that line opened up at thirty four and a half, and TCU is up to thirty nine points, and I they're just trying to make it big enough to where somebody will take Kansas and nobody's walking to a window to do that. I might take Kansas. Well, you you'll be the only one. I, it'll be a short <laughs> line. It'll be a short line. Well, here's the thing. I think Kansas can put up points, and I I don't know that. I mean, I know TCU can put up a lot of points. But I think Kansas can as well, and I think I mean backdoor cover is totally in play there. Oh, you're probably right. Forty point yeah. lines are crazy. So, Josh, what do you what do you think? Is a lot. Yeah, forty points 40 is just points bananas. Is a lot. Kansas lost forty five nothing to Iowa State last week. That was their worst game of the season. If you actually look at some of the other games, this is what happens when teams play Kansas. They fall behind big early. I would bet TCU in the first half because teams come out and they blow Kansas away, and then about halftime, teams realize. Oh, we're playing Kansas, and we don't have to try. And what happens is Kansas slowly works their way back into the game. David Beatty's a good coach, and I mean he is obviously in such a hard situation at Kansas that I mean he's just he doesn't have the players yet. But the kids don't quit, and that's a credit to the coaching staff. The credit to Kansas. They're one in five right now against the spread so far this season. Very rarely do you see teams finish the season like 2-10 and 10 or 3-9 and nine against the spread. Those things tend to normalize themselves over the course of the season, so it might be time to start hopping on that Kansas bandwagon as those numbers start to get more and more inflated. Uh, I wouldn't mind maybe laying a number here uh, like 40 points trying to give me give Kansas. See if that line gets out even further. If it got closer to 40, I, I would actually probably like Kansas there because TCU again, look, they got bigger fish to fry. They're not going to want to blow. They're not going to get foul points for beating Kansas by forty-five. So get out by four or five touchdowns. Put it on cruise control. Get your starters out. Don't get anybody injured. TCU's got some big games down the stretch. 
they're not going to keep Kenny Hill in the game any longer than they need to. It could be a very classic backdoor situation here. I, I might, I'm, you guys might have talked me into one or two bets here. <laughs> this, uh, this could be a one for you for your boy who uh, missed the three stacks. Tell him to tease that number, get it to forty six. <laughs> oh, oh, he'll be all over it. Trust me. That's a lot of points. That is a lot of points. Then now, now when you get in the mid forties. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. That's that's too much. Yeah. All right. Well, we uh, we're gonna wrap it up with you. Uh, he is Josh Barcel. Check him out on Twitter at Josh Barcel and online at cfbcountry.com and the College Football Country Podcast. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming in, buddy. We'll talk to you again later on this season. All right. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one, buddy. It's time for the rundown. Remember, check out winningcureseverything.com. You can give us a like on Facebook, facebook.com slash winningcureseverything. You can follow us on Twitter, at winningcures. You can follow myself, at GaryWCE. You can follow me at Chris B. Giannini, C-H-R-I-S-B-G-I-A-N-N-I-N-I. You can also email the show, that's winningcureseverything at gmail.com. And we now have a voicemail line. That number is 551 226 9899. If you want to call and bash us for talking bad about your favorite team or praise us or just tell us about how awesome your team is doing, leave us a voicemail. That number again is 551 226 9899, and we may toss it on the show. Thank you for supporting this show, and until next time, have a good one, guys. Hey, don't forget, subscribe to the Winning Cures Everything podcast on iTunes and make sure you leave a review. For every 25 written five-star reviews we get on iTunes, we are donating to St. Jude's Children's Hospital and Le Bonheur's Children's Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. So subscribe and review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and all your favorite podcast apps. Remember, the Winning Cures Everything podcast.